It is great to be back here with all of you, and uh, uh, let me just open this up with prayer before we, we dive into the sermon today. God, thank you for this day and this time to be together. Thank you, God, that we are not alone, that uh, your word tells us that wherever two or three gather in your name, you're there with us. Lord, help us to believe that and live as if that's true. Help us to, to know that your spirit isn't just confined to this, this, this room or this building, but it's your spirit is on the move out everywhere we are. And so, Lord, help us to, to know you, to, to be able to hear your voice and follow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, yeah, we, we got to spend a week in Hawaii, and it was absolutely amazing. And uh, one of the privileges that we had was to go to Pearl Harbor. And, uh, and so here uh, is, is the uh, USS Arizona Memorial. And it was a really powerful uh, thing to go and see in person, that within that ship, underneath that memorial, are the, uh, the bodies of over a thousand sailors and marines. And uh, that's their, their eternal resting place right there. And, and it was just such a reminder of, of people who are willing to sacrifice, to say, I'll lay down my life for my brothers and sisters. And we want to honor that this Memorial Day weekend. Um, these are the names of the, the, the sailors and Marines that were present. And it was just, it, it was a really powerful experience. And so if, if you uh, or anyone in your family served, I want to say thank you. And uh, for those who've lost loved ones, uh, we grieve with those who grieve. And, uh, and we honor them uh, this holiday weekend. One other thing that I learned in Hawaii, the wind makes all the difference. It is hot and it is humid, and the wind makes all the difference. We were doing a climb up this mountain peak, and uh, it was a little warm, and it was definitely humid, and all of the breeze that comes off the ocean was blocked by the mountain top we were climbing. So by the time we got to the top of this, my kids were like, ew, you're so gross and sweaty. And I was like uncomfortable. But then as soon as we got to the top, you could feel the breeze and I started to cool off. And I immediately just thanked God for the breeze. Because instead of being annoyed that I was hot and sweaty, all of a sudden I was able to be in a sense of comfort and to open up my eyes to this beautiful creation that was around me. And I was able to just have a moment of prayer there with God, just thanking him for the breeze, thanking him for this this experience to take in his power, his majesty, his awe. The wind made all of the difference, and, and I promise you that's going to make sense as our sermon goes on today. Today, we celebrate an even more important holiday than Memorial Day. We celebrate Pentecost. And some, sometimes in church history, we haven't always been uh, as attuned with the, the holiday of Pentecost as maybe we should be. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and the way the Holy Spirit broke through in a brand new way in Acts chapter 2. And Jesus, Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit as, as a wind who goes where he pleases, which means it's something we can't contain or control, and we're scared of that. And so sometimes we don't really do justice to the role of the Holy Spirit in Scripture and in our lives because it's a little scary. We can't quite categorize the Holy Spirit. We definitely can't contain or control the Holy Spirit. And so we're like, ah, it just feels a little scary, a little weird to me. And I want to talk today, what is the Holy Spirit's role in our lives? Last week, Steve Craig did an amazing job of, of introducing us to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And the passage he read from John, uh, he, he the name that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit is advocate. 
And I'm going to take a little, little detour here to do some Bible nerd uh, vocabulary. What are the names of the Holy Spirit, the most common names for the Holy Spirit in the scriptures? And this first one, advocate, comes from this Greek word, paraclete. It literally means a, a legal associate or a counsel for defense, an intercessor. Sometimes it's generally used as helper. And the one I like the best is an advocate of the paraclete is called to one's side. The spirit is called to be on our side. Steve mentioned that the evil one is our accuser and the Holy Spirit is our advocate, our defense. He's called to our side in this kind of courtroom, so to speak. But, but this word paraclete means so much. It means he's our comforter. When we, when we grieve, he comes to our side and grieves with us. He's a helper. He makes possible in and through us things that were once impossible. Jesus said that when the paraclete, when the advocate comes, we will see and participate in greater things than we saw in his ministry. I love that word. It's so rich. There's a couple other names in the Bible uh, for the Holy Spirit that are the primary uh, names for, for the Holy Spirit. One we find mostly in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word, say this with me, ruach. Say it with me. One, two, three. Ruach. Yeah, that's good. That Hebrew, back of the throat. And it means breath. It means wind. It means lowercase spirit, as in my spirit. But it also means capital S spirit, as in Holy Spirit. And then you see this other word, pneuma. Say this with me. Pneuma. Pneuma. This is the Greek, almost identical synonym. Again, it means breath, wind, spirit. So we have, in both of our primary biblical languages, these concepts, ruach and pneuma. And they're close to identical, but what I love about these is that they're kind of vague. Modern Bible scholars like to try and figure out, okay, when, when the writer uses ruach, do they mean spirit? Or do they mean wind? Or do they mean breath? Right? We like to categorize. We like to make it all fit together. But I don't think the writers of the, the books of the Bible intended this to be. I think they use these generic words for a reason. And what I mean by this is I think they wanted us to see the activity of God, his presence, all around us. In our modern minds, we want to separate the, the natural from the supernatural. Wind and breath, those are natural forces, but the works of God are supernatural forces. But let's take a look at Genesis 1 and 2, the creation narrative. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the translator of this text took ruach and said, well, it's spirit. It's capital S, spirit. But that was a choice the translator made. It could have easily read, the breath of God was hovering over the waters, or the wind of God was hovering over the waters. They made that choice. And if we were to ask the author of Genesis, which one is it, I think they would say to us, what does it matter? Is God not present with us in the wind? Is the breath in our lungs not a miracle, a gift from God? Is his spirit not present and active in all of it? They wouldn't have separated the natural from the supernatural. They couldn't be disconnected. And I think that's still true. So as a nerd, I think it's important for us to understand some of these words and these concepts, not just to appreciate the absolute brilliance and creativity in the literature of the Bible. It is so well-crafted. There's so much care taken into it to unlock our imaginations for who God is, right? 
But it also helps us to understand this important truth about God. He works by his presence. And he is far more present and at work in the world than our eyes are tuned in to see. So much of the Christian life should be spent watching and discerning how is God present and at work around us. So that brings me to our main passage of the day that's found in Acts chapter 2. And this is where we get this idea, this holiday of Pentecost. And this first Pentecost occurred during an important holiday in the Jewish calendar, the Feast of Weeks. Faithful Jews from all over the known world would, would travel. They would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and they're celebrating the 50-day mark after the Passover. And this is when they would say, hey, 50 days after we left out of Egypt, God gave us his law. He gave us the Torah. And this is what sets us apart and dedicates us to the one true God. And so this was one of the three most important festivals where they were called to travel to Jerusalem. And that's what's going on in the context here when we read this passage in Acts 2. So read along with me. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. <laughs> Anybody from Cappadocia in here, by the way? I love That's one of my favorite names in the Bible. Um, okay, so how, hopefully we all saw in that first sentence how this all starts to come together. Let's look back at the first couple of verses. First, let's, let's rewind to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 says, uh, Jesus tells them, don't leave Jerusalem because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Judea, uh, Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that's what they did. They stayed put and, and they waited for Jesus to fill this promise. And then it says in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost came, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. The sound of a blowing of a violent wind. It's the same root word as pneuma. What's happening here is the spirit came like a wind. And then in verse four, it tells them that all of them were filled with the holy pneuma, the Holy Spirit. The wind makes all the difference. The wind, the breath, the spirit of God rushing in and all of a sudden, everything was different. New realities are possible. Okay. Amazing. Amazing, miraculous work of the Spirit at Pentecost, right? I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to take a pause. And I want to talk about if the, if the wind, if the Spirit makes all of the difference, what is it that the Spirit makes possible that was once impossible? So we're going to step away from Acts 2 for a minute. But 
The first thing I would want to say is that the Spirit brings freedom. We don't have time to dig into it today, but if you, if you have time, I would encourage you to read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 sometime this week because there's so much good stuff about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And in this chapter, Paul says that with the Spirit, the veil of sin is taken away. And when we have the Spirit of God, we have freedom from the old. We can participate in the new. And though the Spirit, through the Spirit, we can have true freedom from the things that have tripped us up before. What does that look like? Well, for me, what that looked like was um, for a number of years, uh, my teenage years, before I surrendered my life to Jesus, I, I prayed a bunch of prayers to God because I just didn't want to go to hell. And maybe you've done that before too. I was kind of afraid of hell, but I didn't really want God in my life. I just didn't want to, you know, go to hell, right? And so I was constantly back forth between this conviction that I was far from God, but I didn't really want to surrender my life to God. And I had a lot of stuff, a lot of baggage that I was stacking up at an early age, just weight upon weight on my shoulder. At the end of my junior year of high school, I put my faith in Jesus. And in many ways, I was, it just was so clear to me right then and there that, that I was set free. I know this isn't everybody's testimony, but God was so good to me. I was able to walk away from the temptations that tripped me up in the past. And it became so clear to me. There's one instance I can remember that was so powerful to me. It was at the beginning of my senior year of high school. One of the things that was a part of my past was violence and anger and the inability to control my temper. And I hadn't really gotten into a fight for a long time because I had some trouble with the law and I wasn't trying to go to Dan Street, which is the juvie prison in Akron, Ohio. Uh, and, and so I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. But there was still this rage inside of me. And the things I said to tear people down, I was just angry. And I remember the first time a fight broke out in the school cafeteria that senior year. And I did what everybody does. You run to the front to try to watch it, right? And as soon as I heard the sound of the first punch connect, I got it ill. I got sick to my stomach. And I ran to the bathroom and in that stall, I remember having a conversation with God. And I don't know if it would heard audibly, but it was just clear to me that the Spirit was saying to me, you have a choice to make today. You can live with the old or you can live in the new. You can have that old thing that you want to hold on to or you can have me, but you can't have them both at the same time. And he was gracious to me to deliver me from that, to show me right then and there that there was a new way. The metaphor that came to my head this week was, I was talking about this with, with my dad. Um, does anybody remember these old station wagons? The rear, the rear facing wood paneled seat in the back with the window that comes down and all of the exhaust just flows in. The 1900s were a trip. Whew. This is the metaphor that came to me. The Holy Spirit was saying, you can have that nasty old exhaust air that slowly deteriorates you, that's so bad for you over time, or you can have my breath, the breath of God and freedom from that old way. So do you come here this morning feeling pulled toward old ways of life? Do you come here carrying guilt on your shoulders because even though you know it's wrong, even though you know it's not good for you, it's not loving toward God or toward others, you keep going back to those old habits. The Spirit of God is here today saying, surrender. 
Ask the Holy Spirit to breathe freedom in your life, to set you free. Make it a habit. Do this in community. If you feel prompting by the Spirit, talk to somebody else and tell them the struggle that you're going through so that they can pray for you, so that the Spirit can prompt them to check in on you and see how you're doing. Too much of life we go walking around with this weight of sin on our shoulders and the Spirit wants you to be free. And the Spirit is powerful and faithful to help you have that freedom. The second thing that 2 Corinthians 3 teaches us is that the Spirit brings life. We're not just free from the old. Something new happens. Life isn't just the absence of sin and death. It's something more proactive. It's something more beautiful. It's something that feels like truly living. And yes, what the Spirit, the Spirit giving life sort of refers to eternal salvation and eternal life, but it also means abundant life here and now. What does that look like? It looks like transformation. It means our weaknesses can become our strengths. It means that we can go from people who are violent to people who are peacemakers. People who are selfish to people of generosity. People who judge others to people who are full of grace and welcome. It also means we're given gifts. We're given the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, and self-control. We're given other gifts empowered by the Spirit. There are many lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. Teaching, serving, encouraging, hospitality, generosity, and on and on. The Spirit empowers us to breathe life into our own community through these gifts. And what's amazing is that we all have different gifts for a reason. Each of us with our strengths and weaknesses to show that it is God's power and not ours. Each of us with our strengths and weaknesses to show that we need each other. And the Spirit of God is at work not just as as individuals, but in our midst, in community, in this place today, calling us to lay down our lives for one another, that we might experience the life of the Spirit as fully as possible. I remember a a young man that was a part of the youth group that I was interning at early in my ministry days. And he was raised in a Christian home and very solid family. And uh, he was this like one foot in, one foot back when it came to Jesus all throughout his high school time. He was, you know, at the youth group, raising his hands in worship and then out partying with his friends and making all kinds of stupid mistakes the rest of the week, right? Then he had this encounter with Jesus. He went on a, a missions trip to a place where they, they build, uh, uh, it's a ministry that builds homes for people uh, across the border in Juarez, Mexico, uh, for, for people who can't afford uh, housing. And, and the Holy Spirit met him there and changed him forever. He realized that he had this natural ability to build to make something with his hands, and that God was calling him to use this spiritual gift of serving. And his life changed from that point on. As soon as he graduated high school, he went down there to work full-time with this ministry, and he's been there ever since, using his hands to build homes and to build connections and to show people the love of Jesus. We all have gifts. We all have gifts, and, and, and the question this morning is, how are we experiencing new life by sharing the gifts that the Spirit has given you with others for their own good? Do, do you even know what your spiritual gifts are? Pray, ask the Spirit to show you. Pray in community, ask the, the people who know you well, ask, ask them. How is the Spirit showing you what my gifts are? I can't see myself clearly, but you know me. Ask the Spirit to show you. 
Develop these gifts in community. Find ways to serve others. It's not just for them. There's a selfish point to all of this too. When we are filled with the Spirit and we're doing exactly what he's sending us to do, what he's gifted us to do, we never feel more alive than we do in those moments. We're right where we're supposed to be, right there in the presence of God. One last thing. The Spirit is on mission. Think back to our Pentecost passage. What happens? The Spirit gives the apostles this miraculous ability to speak in a way that all of the people there could understand them in their own language. That is an amazing miracle. Every time I travel overseas where English is not spoken, I pray that that happens. And it hasn't quite happened fully yet, but there's been some really cool things that have happened to allow communication and and for me to share my testimony and all sorts of powerful things happen. But I pray for that miracle to happen, right? It's such an amazing miracle that it almost wows us to, to miss the point. We go, oh my gosh, what an incredible thing. But it's not the signs and wonders that are the point of this passage. It's the purpose of the signs and wonders. They're now able to communicate the story of Jesus with everybody who's there, no matter what their language is. The Spirit orchestrated this perfectly. Faithful Jews from all over the world were in Jerusalem. This isn't an accident. The Spirit of God chose the Feast of Weeks for a reason. These people were going to hear the good news of Jesus. Many would put their faith in him, and then what are they going to do? They're going to return home to all these nations. They're going to return home filled with the Holy Spirit and with the message of Jesus on their lips. This is a bigger miracle than we even see on the surface. Look at what God can do. Most of the rest of Acts is a sermon that Peter gives. And I won't read the whole thing because it's long, but I encourage you to read it this week. When Peter is empowered by the Spirit, what happens? He stands up and he traces through the scriptures to show God's plan of reconciling all things to himself. And he brings it up to Jesus. He talks about Jesus' life, death, resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father. And the narrative goes like this. This is Peter speaking. Therefore, let all Israel... Be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The gifts, the miracles, the signs and wonders, they all exist for this purpose, to point people to Jesus, the Lord and Messiah. The work of the Spirit is missionary work, that more and more people will be prompted by the Spirit to repent, to receive forgiveness of sins, and receive the life-giving Holy Spirit. And this is definitely the power of the Spirit. Just 50 days ago, Peter was so scared to be associated with Jesus that he denied him three times publicly after Jesus was arrested. And then until the Spirit comes, Peter and all the others are just hiding out, waiting, hoping God's going to do something else. But now, through the breath of God, through the Holy Spirit, Peter stands up and he boldly proclaims the good news about Jesus and gives people an opportunity to respond. To paraphrase uh, this quote from uh, a great missionary and and theologian, Leslie Newbigin, he says this, mission, mission is not just something the church does, it's something that is done by the Spirit who is himself the witness. 
who changes both the world and the church, and who always goes before the church in its missionary journey. Newbegin would say elsewhere that the primary activity of the church is to look for where the Holy Spirit is already at work and join, participate. That's our call. Spirit is on mission. This is why we have the counter on our website for prayer walks, right? This is why we hold each other accountable in our congregation to this missional prayer movement. Whether it's actually prayer walking your neighborhood or praying at your desk at school or at work or from your couch just praying for the neighbor's houses in all different directions, whatever it looks like, can we commit to praying this way? Spirit of the living God, where are you at work in my neighborhood, at my school, at my workplace, the places I hang out? Who are you calling me to serve and love and reflect Jesus? The Spirit is on mission and he gives us an invitation. Come, join me. See what new life looks like. I want to close with just a a quick summary of some of these themes that are traced throughout all the Bible. This series should be 20 weeks long, and we did it in two weeks. We'll come back to it, I promise. But I just want to give you some of the grand themes that we see that are represented in these words that we've talked about today, paraclete and ruach and pneuma. At creation, God's spirit His ruach hovered over the waters. And then in Genesis 2, we see that same spirit breathe the breath of life into Adam. And it says he became a living being. The creation narrative makes sure we understand that men and women are created in his image. The word is icon. His reflection. The way I always like to imagine it's that we're a bunch of people that are just tiny mirrors that are reflecting this good and powerful and loving God to the world around us. That's what it means to be made in his image. But sin, the story goes on, that sin kind of mars that image. It's like our mirrors got just smudged with a bunch of mud, right? And it's still there, but it's harder and harder sometimes to see God's reflection in our mirrors, in our images. And then at Pentecost, God does this new thing. He breathes again, a violent wind, And his presence comes and makes new things possible. He gives us the spirit that allows us to get back to who we were created to be. We were created to be in his presence. We were were created to reflect him. And now we have the power of the spirit to be free, to walk away from sins that trip us up. To clean the mirror off that has been marred by sin. The Spirit gives us life, the ability to walk in His his presence and reflect Him to all creation, to everyone we meet. The Spirit is at work in the world all around us. Jesus said it. I'll mention it again. The Spirit is like a wind that goes wherever He wants. He cannot be contained. He cannot be controlled. But He can be discerned. The work that God has been doing ever since sin entered the world, reconciliation work, the Spirit is calling us to join him. Come with me. Participate. See this new thing I'm doing. That reconciliation culminates in Revelation 21 where God creates a new heaven and a new earth and there is no more death or pain and he wipes away every tear from our eyes. And what's the defining feature of this hope? It's that God's presence is there. It says he will dwell among them and they will be, uh, he will be their God and they will be his people. 
In Revelation 21, we see the completed work of the Holy Spirit. God's life-giving presence is with us uninterrupted forever and ever. The same God who spoke creation into existence. The same God who breathed life into mankind. The same God who in Jesus became human, lived a perfect life in step with God the Father and God the Spirit. Who went to the cross so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Who rose again so that we might have life. Who never leaves us or forsakes us forsakes us through the presence of his spirit, who heals and reconciles and on and on. That same God is making all things new. If we believe that, then let's boldly chase after the spirit of life. The best part is we don't have to wait for eternity. He invites us to participate now. He says, see, I am making all things new. I'm gonna invite the the band to come up and lead us in some worship songs. I wanna just close us in a prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Spirit of the living God, we pray that you would fall afresh on us. God, forgive us for the times that we are shy away from talking about your spirit because it seems dangerous, unpredictable, uncontrollable, and we like control. God, give us the courage to just open up our hands and say, your will be done. Holy Spirit, whatever you want, that's what I want. God, forgive us for the times that we thought that your Holy Spirit was confined to a building as if all creation doesn't belong to you as if you're not at work making all things new. Forgive us for the times that we missed you because we were stuck in here and we missed what you were doing out there. God, help us to see the work that you're doing in us to free us from our sin, to to make us new. Help us to experience abundant life. Help us to experience your presence in ways that we never imagined because we said yes. We will join you. We will participate. As we leave this place in just a little bit, Lord, help us to to look everywhere we go for the presence of your spirit, for the reconciliation work that you're doing. Help us to say yes. We'll go there too. Where the spirit of God is, there is freedom and there is life, and that's what we want, God. Help us to pursue it. It's only possible through you. It's only possible through your spirit empowering us. And so we ask spirit of the living God fall afresh on us we pray this all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit